We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, LL Nation? Happy Wednesday to everybody. It's the Lucky Left Podcast. I'm your boy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. The Anora boys are back in the building. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you do so. Responsibly. You got to do it responsibly. Left us a lot of things to get to. We're going to talk about questions and answers, and that's going to be a double entendre for the show because not only the questions and answers that the questions for Notre Dame football that need to be answered coming up this spring, but we're going to take all questions and answers or all questions from LL Nation and try to give them the best answer we can. Uh, it should be pretty, pretty interesting. One of the things that I would like to say is, man, excuse me. I know I look tired. It's been crazy. Uh, I was at the airport at 3 a.m. Had to go back to the airport with everything that's happening with the FIAA and all of the uh, flights being backed up. My wife is trying to fly out crazily. I thought I was going to have to go back and pick her up after dropping off at 3 a.m. Only for her to call back and say they're going to push the flight back. They gave us a time. It's, it's crazy. So I haven't gotten any sleep. None. None. And I'm not a coffee drinker, so I really didn't have anything to get me wired. But I'm going to try and get through this show. All right. I had the pleasure of going to watch uh, Justin Scott last night fantastic fantastic kid not only got a chance to talk to him uh justin scott plays on the same team with phoenix gill who is the same who was the son of a line star nba star chicago and kendall gill so got an opportunity to see him which is always great you know my time my former job very familiar with each other uh, been on a boxing podcast with him and his guy Tilo Tony Lopez, who's one of my mentors in the business, actually. So it was good to see him and meet some other people. But yeah, got an opportunity an opportunity to talk to Justice Scott, and I put up some intel about that 
over on the Irish Breakdown message board. Uh, you can go check it out. If it's not up yet, it'll be going up shortly. Talk to the young man for about 15 minutes. And yeah, I'll wait for it to go up on the message board before I uh, really dive into it at the end of the show. All right. So I don't know what happened to Luck. Luck. Hopefully he'll come back in. But questions and answers. LL question of the day. What's your biggest question going into the spring? What is your biggest question going into the spring for Notre Dame football? That's the LL question of the day. What's your biggest question going into the spring? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. Yesterday we did a show and basically we talked about using the Georgia blueprint in a way and the college football playoffs to kind of diagnose what needs to happen in Notre Dame. One of the things we did point out is that Georgia after losing five starters to the first round of the NFL draft, came back and started five freshmen or sophomores on a national championship team. That within itself is absolutely impeccable. And the move for Sam Hartman immediately elevates the quarterback room. And I can't wait to have Brady Quinn on when he gets his, gets his schedule straight, bro, because for me, long-term, Tyler Buckner's improvement is more important to me than, than getting Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman is one year. 
Tyler Buckner proves that a quarterback can get better at Notre Dame. And that's something we haven't seen. And if he continues to get better, I continue to feel better about Kenny Minchie and his development, and I continue to feel better about C.J. Carr and his development. Jack Cohn didn't make me feel good about development at the quarterback position. Sam Hartman didn't make me feel – that's not going to make me feel good about development. No. You're getting guys that are ready to go, put them into your system, support them with the offensive line and the running game and the wide receivers that you have. And go. And go. So, for me, the biggest question going into the spring, one of the biggest questions is going to be Tyler Buckner. Right. Not whether or not he starts. Just does he get better? Does he continue to get better? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to look for that in the practices. I need to see that. Yeah, definitely, definitely need to see Tyler Buckner's improvement for a lot of reasons that you said, especially for the, the, the hope in which the quarterbacks that also have a lot of talent can come in like a Kenny Minchie, like a C.J. Carr, and can get better. We know that once you're the starter, the pieces around you and how we run our offense is going to elevate you as a player. But the development of as an individual, we need to see – because it impacts the games that we need that position to be able to come through. That's the evaluation stick, really, of do these quarterbacks develop? And it's in the big moments. It's in the big games. Yeah, you can develop from a Purdue to a Cal, but those are games that are expected to play at a level that we should be beating these teams. So it's not – it's kind of like how C.J. – C.J. Stroud at Ohio State – Beating the Iowa, beating the Wisconsin, that's regular. Mm-hmm. Winning the championship is, okay, are you a legacy quarterback or are you a good quarterback that we've had? So I think for Tyler Buckner, his development is important to the team and those young guys. Because like you said, Sam Hartman's a one-year, we want to win now as a program type of fix. Hopefully – if Sam does become the starter and plays, Tyler can pick up some of the things that he learned from Sam. You know, I was I was I had the fortune to be able to do that and, and it helped me in my game. And Tyler is obviously open to it. So he's, you know, even though he has a quiet confidence about himself that I think people kind of just smell on him. So it's gonna be important uh that if we're able to show improvement in his decision-making and not having turnovers, mm-hmm. I think that's the development in this next year we want to see from him. And then the year after, it should be the year where he gets it done. Yeah, and that should be the message, right? Like, if at some point, because you've put it out there, left, you need to come out of the spring knowing who your starting quarterback is. And you feel like that's very important. And if, it right. happens, if it's not Tyler Buckner at the time, then you tell Tyler Buckner, look here, man, you're going to win a national championship at Notre Dame. Yeah, we definitely can win one. I think the recruiting is where it needs to be to be competitive for one. That quarterback position is so vital, and you even saw it in the championship game uh, with Georgia. Stetson Bennett, or 
Benson Stetson, or however you say it, was definitely a vital piece, having six touchdowns, being a huge implement into mm-hmm. what Georgia was doing, and opposite, vice versa, how Max Dugan hurt the team. Uh, look at gunshot, not being able to hit the big plays like he usually does, and it affected a team that only scores seven. So I think that uh, for us, we have the talent of a TCU or better, and I think with the quarterback position being more solidified, we, we don't have to ever be an eight and four team again. Yeah, and I don't foresee that. I don't foresee that. I think the urgency, the, the most encouraging thing is to see urgency from a coaching staff that recognizes this is Notre Dame. We cannot be losing to Marshall and Stanford. That can never happen again. Like the fan base says that, but if the urgency isn't within the building, what does it really matter? And I can tell you wholeheartedly, the urgency is in that program. Like, man, a lot of things may happen, but that right there, that's that's never happening again. Yeah. And so we'll see. What's your biggest question going into the spring, Left. My biggest question going into the spring, I think, is just how the depth chart is going to be uh, rotated. What, what's going to work from a team chemistry standpoint defensively and offensively? Are we going to establish some somewhat of a identity? I know Sam Hartman's coming coming from scratch in a sense, but has veteran experience. I know Tyler Buckner is eager to want to be that number one guy. So within that quote-unquote competition, are we making it a competition of who's going to win? Or are we making it about getting ready to play a season where we're trying to win a championship, which requires attention and focus on the guy you want to lead the chip? I think if you're a team that's on the verge and and building and on the edge of becoming a really good team, I think that's when you really push on the let's compete uh, type of vibe. But if you look at programs like Bama, you look at programs like Ohio State, they didn't have indecision on their quarterback position. Even Michigan had no indecision on their quarterback position, mm-hmm. and they were able to ride that guy all the way to the championship. And I think they played better because of it. I think uh, having C.J. Stroud come out and play the whole season, I mean offseason, preparing for Notre Dame as opposed to 50-50 Tyler Buckner, 50-50 uh, um, Drew Pine, you got to see a 50 kind of sort of inconsistent offensive identity for a Notre Dame team that should have started much hotter having Tyler Buckner play last year. You know, he should have played the year before. So I think we're we're taking the steps to make it right now, but it's just going to – the questions are how is that depth chart going to be put together in a way where they can play well off of each other? Like you said, you got these young linebackers that are unproven – very talented. How do you mix in some veterans? How do you mix in the guys that you need to play to keep that unit the best on the team? Offensive line, we know it's going to be a foundational piece. But how are we going to get the receivers more active in this spring? Are they going to show up? Are they going to have some life? Are we going to have another Brayden Lindsey uh, spring, spring interview where he's like, man, these are the best running quarterbacks I've ever played with. So it's going to be interesting. Man, 
I, I'm just who's going to be the new PR person in the wide receiver room. That's going to be interesting for the quarterbacks at Notre Dame. Sure. Lucky Lucky Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, in conjunction with CFB Nation and Irish Breakdown. You already know the greatest content covering college football, state of recruiting with John Garcia Jr. and the Anora Boys. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. And I have to apologize as well. I meant to do this at the beginning of the show. I messed up yesterday when I made the announcement. I said that our guests were scheduled for Wednesday and Thursday, only to get ready to email the link to our guy, Corey Mays. And he was he was the one booked on Thursday, and Thomas Harper is booked on Friday. So I, I gave you guys the wrong days. I said Wednesday and Thursday. Those guys are booked for Thursday and Friday. So Corey Mays will join us tomorrow, tomorrow. Even when he hit me back, he was like, man, I mean, if you want me today, I, I can make it happen. It's like, no, no, just keep it scheduled the way it is. And we, we have plenty to talk about today. Talking Notre Dame football, we can do that all day, every day. That's Trust right. Me. Especially after this 15-minute conversation I had with Justin Scott last night. Okay. Man. Okay. So – it's, it's very interesting that one of the other questions I have is definitely a question that everyone has, right? We're going to get to some of your questions that you have, LL Nation, in a minute. The defensive line for Notre Dame, right? Uh, initially, we thought Justin Adamiola would come back, try and improve his stock, NFL stock, draft stock. He chose to leave with his brother. Okay, you have Nana coming back. You have Riley Mills coming back. Jordan Patello flashed in the Gator Bowl. You saw Jalen Sneed coming off the edge. Junior Tua Lamaca put out, I guess he's home, you know, back in the islands. And he put out some tape of him doing pass rush drills yesterday. You know, looks powerful. Not exactly the fastest coming off the edge. So if he goes to being a big edge, from being a middle linebacker, okay, those are one of the position changes that we anticipate to come on the roster throughout the spring. Okay, you have talent, but how is this going to be put together, right? It's almost like, have you ever put a puzzle together, bro, and then you look up and you leave it somewhere where a kid can get to it and you come back? And pieces are all over the floor, or they've knocked <laughs> it onto the floor. That's kind of like the Notre Dame defensive line, right? Yeah. Because for the last two seasons, you knew you had the Adamiolas, you knew you had your guy seven. But now the pieces are just everywhere. And now this spring, you have to figure out how in the hell are we going to put this back together? Like, <laughs> where are the fits? What's going on? Right, you have some veterans that are solid, like I just mentioned, but you need some dudes. You need some dudes. And Byron Bonds, the Utah State transfer, who's already visited Notre Dame, but he's being courted by other top programs. You know, he's a small edge with speed. Really hasn't lived up to. This is why we say don't don't mind stars. Like he was highly touted going to Texas, coming out of high school. 
hasn't lived up to it, but he has the tools. We have a lot of kids on that defensive line that have tools, but can they put it together? Yeah. That's the question. Can they put it together? Next question. Who starts at linebacker? <laughs> Prince Collie. Jalen Sneed. And I don't know. I don't know. Because there's a political way you can go. There's a way that I feel like a young, a young, talented way that'll be, you know, innovative. It would be mm-hmm. good to see that you you stretching the you stretching the boundaries a little bit. Or you do the traditional way where you honor the older guys, throw them in there, have two younger, two older. So It'll be interesting. However, I think that uh, Prince Kali and Jalen Sneed have to start. And then after that, we'll see about it. Both of those guys I can see being on the field. A lot. A lot. I do think that I already know and anticipate what's about to come in the chat after I say this. J.D. Bertrand is going to be a starter. Bro. Yes, that's what I said. J.D. going to be a starter. He's going to be there. He's going to be a starter. Uh, he he has value. He'll be rotated, you with know. His, with his leadership. He's going to start. He's the coach on the field. Yes. Look, J.D. played much better down the stretch yeah. in the bowl game. And somebody yesterday was asking me to – Great, James Laronitis in his first year. And I'm like, well, it's hard to do that because the veteran linebackers were doing the same thing that they did last year. And I know they're being coached. So I can't put that on the coaches. Right. Right. Because when they finally started playing better, then I would have to attribute, attribute that to the coaches as well. So the youngsters, we kept hearing during the season how great they looked. Man, I heard, I heard about Nolan Ziegler popping dudes in practice to the point that coaches on the other side were mad at him. Like, yo, it's practice. Cat Nolan Ziegler's like, yo, I'm trying to get on the field. I'm For just real. Playing. I'm just playing yeah, football. I want to see Nolan Zigner. I'm, I'm just, I'm just playing football. He's built, kind of, kind of freaky. Like you know, he he can, he can cover some space. You know, and he's aggressive. I think he's got the traits. It's just a matter of how how is Marcus Freeman has enough coaches there with Al Golden being a linebacker specialist, mm-hmm. Red is being a good right hand man, and Marcus Freeman himself. Being in the mix, I think he has enough attention on it. Mm-hmm. Just got to put the dish out the right way. You know, we got to score tens across the board. So, and like I said, no one in the on the D-line and the linebacker position, no one questions the talent, man. Like, that's the, that's the pushback I get to people when they talk about the D-line. 
they act like the, the room is full of two stars and three stars. Like it's four stars. Dude, it's four stars up in there. Some five stars. Tyson Ford was a borderline five star. Gabriel Rubio was a borderline five star. You're talking about top 100, top 150 players in the in the nation. Can they put the tools together, bro? Right? And I said this, like people are so down on what they lost. What you lost gave up 130 yards on the ground. Let's be real. Isaiah Foskey didn't even show up for the first five games. He was sleepwalking a little bit. So, well, I mean, what did we really lose? What did we really lose? Yeah, we lost a guy who is super athletic. He's the all-time sack leader. But when Notre Dame needed him most early in the season, it was an accumulation award. Like, you, you yeah, he up. was a he was a no show. Let's keep it a buck. When Notre Dame needed him as the most, the sack leader of all time, you would think. You know, you thinking the sack leader of all time going there, crushing folks right in big, in big games, right? Because you know? a certain amount of fame you would think comes from having an accolade like that. But sometimes you can get the accolade just by attrition. You just out there, you doing the right thing, and then you don't play 48 games in your career. I mean, there you go. I mean, so that's what are we really talking about, man? Like Notre Dame didn't have a dominant defensive line. We had names that had been there. And we had an expectation that they could be dominant, but they didn't dominate. They didn't dominate. We had veterans. Okay, the veterans didn't dominate. They didn't. They gave up 130 yards per game on the ground. That's not it. It's not getting it done. That's not getting it done. That's not getting it done. So would you rather have veterans that have been around that don't exactly produce to the expectations that are set for them? Or would you rather have some youngsters coming in that have talent and you have to put the tools together? Like, I don't need veterans that are going to perform below expectations. That's what you got last year. Yes, yeah, we're got. keeping it. We're keeping it a hundred. You did not get the full season production that you expected from that defensive line. No, you didn't get it. So I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about the youth on the defensive line. I'm not. But I think a lot of that too produce. But a lot of it too is just the, it's more of an intensity. I think we have talent defensive on the defensive line, but the intensity isn't what you would expect from a team that's supposed to be playing in the playoffs every year. I mean, there's noticeable things about a Georgia defensive line that stand out. Noticeable things about 
and Alabama D-line that stands out. At a time when Clemson had them four uh, All-American D-linemen, it was the standout. But these are all championship-quality type of teams. You look at uh, TCU had a defense that was fast, but they met their match when they had a faster team. But that D-line is the, the key. And an intensity on that D-line. When Ohio State won and they had Chase Young and all that, that was an intense D-line. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Fowski wasn't at the intensity level to carry that D-line to the next level. We need a LeBron on the D-line that has an intensity that can raise the other guys around him and, and allow that D-line to wreak havoc. We got a lot of guys – basically playing straight up with guys. There's no mismatches. There's no shifts. There's like a bunch of one-on-ones all game. There's not extra attention to nobody because every team feel like, okay, we can we can get with them up front. We may not win every time, but we can do enough. And that's what starts crushing in the running game, crushing in the passing game, making it hard, getting can't get off the field on third downs. So I do think it's important that we have a disruptive force when we were Bob Diaco's defense, you had Stefan Tuit, a disruptive force. Got kicked out of a game a couple times just because he physical like that. You know, we ain't had Wait a lot of kicked out of a game since. Key word. Let me add one word to what you're saying. Consistent disruptive yes. force. Yes. Not pick and choose. Not pick and choose. Not pick, oh, I, pick, I make a play here. Yeah. I decide to show up in game four. Where the hell were you in uh Columbus, tell me. Yeah. Tell me, top pass rusher. In the biggest yeah. game, where were you? Didn't have one. No show. Didn't exist. Couldn't take over the moment. Paris Johnson didn't have to show tape from any other game this year. Didn't know the game. And they're gonna play, and they gonna play his highlights now. Oh. When he gets drafted, and guess who's going to be? Because they do it to us every time. Every time. Anytime somebody play, anytime somebody get drafted, play Notre Dame, they play the highlight. He was shaking us, locking us up, driving us to the – every time. They're like, Mel Kuyper, I can see it now. Look at how he's just handling Isaiah Falski the first game of the season. Da, 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 da. That's your fault. But those are the moments that will be evaluated by do we have a good D-line or not? Is those big moments. Not the games where we playing Pittsburgh or Navy or, you know, these teams that we should be – any team in ACC, just put it like that. Mm-hmm. We're not getting judged on a great D-line by that. We're getting judged on a great D-line by what we do against Georgia, what we do against Ohio State, what we do against Clemson. We got a, a little boost from that because we showed out against Clemson. But we need to do that all game. Where was that Stanford? Who was that at Stanford? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think it's that's what we need. Maybe Justin Scott is that, you know, disruptive force. But we need one because one, I think, could help highlight the other talented guys that we do have. We do have talented guys. Like, I see Ashley Hill. I see you, dude. The fact that you're trying to make what they did from an output standpoint, Isaiah Foskey was horrible against Ohio State. Horrible. The film doesn't lie. He was a a no-show. 
Ain't no show. Dude, look, I'm talking about expectations here and the effort that was given. When I see you come off the ball and just literally stop your pass rush on third down, yeah. that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. I've seen that. I've and it seen happened, that. It happened multiple times against Ohio State. That's horrible. I've seen that. I've seen that. That's horrible. And when you get to game three and people are asking, where's the production? And you're supposed to be a first-round talent? I've seen that. <laughs> I don't hear that, man. Yeah, I don't hear that. Yeah. Talk to me about the losing veterans. Losing veterans? What does that mean? Either you can produce or you don't. Georgia lost five starters off of defense and plugged in freshmen and sophomores. Either you can play and coach or you can't. Period. It's a bunch of teams with seniors that stunk. Defensively. Tons. Just because you're a veteran doesn't make you a great football player. That's right. It doesn't. It doesn't. And when you have dudes that want to show up against the lesser teams and don't want to show up against the biggest in the biggest games, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because I promise you, it's a whole lot that was going on with that D-line from the veterans early in the season that caused a lot of discord. And I'll leave it at that. So I'm not saying what I'm saying just because. I don't have to really go into that. 130 yards per game on the ground is enough. Period. And they were getting banged by backup running backs left. It wasn't starting running backs. They consistently got banged by backup running backs. That's the problem. So my concern is not the lack of depth or not having South juniors and seniors. Heck, the juniors and seniors didn't live up to expectations this year. They didn't. And it pre-stay the case if you feel like the juniors and seniors. Oh, Notre Dame held teams to 20 points. What when does Notre Dame not play good defense? Tell yeah, me. Defense defense has always been our thing. For real. When does Notre Dame not play good defense? That's why everyone's so happy about Sam Hartman. Because now the offense finally has expectations to do more. Notre Dame's defense has consistently kept Notre Dame in the conversation for national contention and college football playoff. Consistently. But I'm not about to sit up here and tell you that they reached expectations this year defensively. No. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that. We can talk about Drew Pine, the turnovers against USC. Austin Jones put up over 130 yards for USC. You can talk about Caleb Williams all you want to. That defensive front didn't do anything. They couldn't sack him. They couldn't get him to the ground. They couldn't stop, they couldn't stop the run. 
what did they do? Big game, what did those veterans do? That's it. What they do? So that's just me, bro. I don't I don't use that veteran thing because there's too many teams winning with young players on the field. That's right. Too many, too many teams winning with young players on the field. Absolutely right. I think someone in the chat said, name a, consi- a consistent disruptor. Uh, yeah, there it is. Name a consistent disruptive force in college football. Will Anderson. Jalen Walker. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, yeah, Jalen Carter. <laughs> Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith was a dude. I watched Big Ten football. Mozzie Smith for Michigan. Every game, every game made plays. Every game. What's your boy out there in Utah? Phillips, the defensive back. Every game, he was disruptive. Took away the number one receiver. Heck, when they played in the Pac-12 championship, he had Jordan Addison on lock. The only big play Jordan Addison got is because Phillips failed and tripped. Yeah. And Jordan Addison got behind him. Dude, it's disruptive, consistent disruptive players all over college football every week. Every week. You don't get to pick and choose. You're a great player. You don't get to pick and choose when you want to step it up. When you want to show up. That's not it. Michael Mayer didn't pick and choose when he wanted to show up, did he? Even with the quarterback that he had, Michael Mayer showed up every week. Every week. Every week. He showed up. He showed up against Ohio State. He showed Every game, Michael Mayer showed up. Every game. Small games, big games, he showed up. That's that's what your best players are supposed to do. They're supposed to show up. Definitely supposed to show up. And that's what I think Notre Dame just missed in general. A guy that's showing up outside of the tight end position that could be a little more effective, like the famous positions, your DNs and your quarterbacks. Maybe even a receiver. You see Hyatt from Tennessee be an impactful player in big moments in the Alabama game. And Hendon Hooker being a part of that. So you can have an impact player at the receiver position or an impact player at the quarterback position but it, it, you know, tight end is a very dependent, just like receiver. But having that guy that's an impact player going into the game, where everybody's like, "All right, Notre Dame going against a tough opponent," but they got X, Y, Z. Who are we X, Y, and Z and outside of Michael Mayer when we're going in big matchups? I can't name one. Mm-hmm. You gonna say Fowski? Mm-hmm. That's a hit or miss. 
outside of Fowski or Michael Mayer, who are you going to go in there and put on the poster board of our of us playing the next team? Who's it going to be? Adam Miola? Who's it going to be? Lindsey? Back when we played, it was in the Fiesta Bowl, it was Ezekiel Elliott on one side, and it was Jalen Smith on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's a matchup. That's a matchup. This year we went into what? Drew Pine on one side. And who was on the other side? Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. That's an uneven matchup. On the poster board now, we're talking about who's going to be the impact player for Notre Dame next year that's going to be on that poster board as this is our guy. We mm-hmm. win and lose with this guy. That's what I think we've been missing more so than anything going into big matchups. Yo, y'all can sit up here and celebrate the all-time sack leader all you want to. You can celebrate the 11 sacks. He didn't show up in the biggest game of the year. And he was non-existent the first two weeks. He made one, everybody, oh, he made a strip. All right. That's what we're doing. Once again, what's the expectations? This is Notre Dame. What are we doing? What are we doing? Then someone had the nerve. You want to applaud Isaiah Foskey? And then when Will Anderson puts up the exact same stats he did his junior year, you want to talk about him not being consistent? But yet still, he won all of the awards. He wasn't consistent, but he still won all of the awards. Still ended up with 16 plus sacks, but he wasn't consistent. How do you end up with 16 sacks and you're not consistent? Big game in Texas. Who made the big play in the fourth quarter, bro? Was it not Will Anderson? Tennessee, when they were down double digits, who got the forced fumble to get them back in the game? Will Anderson. I go on and on. I've seen two seasons of that dude stepping up in the biggest moments against the best competition. So it's too much for it's too much to ask for the veterans on the defensive line to do the same thing for Notre Dame. And that's all we're saying. Is it too much to ask though? You know, it's one thing to be a Georgia that's spoiled with riches. They didn't even have Nolan Smith play. And they didn't skip a beat. Nolan Smith for Georgia would be our Best defensive lineman by far. And, dude, Notre Dame had a consistent disruptor. Was Benjamin Morrison not a consistent disruptor? About six picks in what, three games? Three, four games? I don't know. Maybe I, maybe my TV is showing me something different. Dude, I'm just, I don't, I'm just not doing this doom and gloom. You know, when I watched a team win a national championship after losing supposedly five dudes off the best defense ever, and somehow they found a way with freshmen and sophomores. I don't hear, I don't want to hear about that doom or gloom because everybody in the D-line room is young. Because, heck, we're not losing five dudes to the NFL. We might have one dude go in the first round from the defensive line. One. And we're sitting here talking about doom and gloom because we're losing one person out the room that might go in the first round. And it's Notre Dame. What are you talking about? It's Notre Dame. 
It's Notre Dame. What are we talking about? I do. Either the dudes can play and either the coaches can coach. That's it. That's what we're going to find that out real fast. Real fast. And that's not to discredit. Well, you know what? I, I have to stand on what I said, bro. Because, I mean, we can talk about, like you said, an accumulation of stats and everything. And we celebrate Isaiah Foskey and what he was able to do over his career. But as far as this year and the expectations for that defensive line, stopping the run, which was talked about consistently by them in the preseason, that's all they talked about, and not getting the production we expected. I don't want to see stats. Okay, 11 sacks. What happened in the big games? Because that's what matters. That's like talking about LeBron in the finals and not mentioning the Dallas series. All right, see. That's an anomaly. That ain't no anomaly. You stop that. That's an anomaly. Stop that. He's been 10 times. Of course, he's going to have one not so good. But let's not let's not do that. Well, that's a bad example. It's a great example. Lucky Lefty Podcast. <laughs> Apple Podcast, Spotify. Hit us up on the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Those are the biggest questions, man. You got any other question before we go on and take these questions and answers and talk about Justin Scott? Is Tommy going to get a, a QB coach this offseason? I don't know. Notre Dame did make that hire yesterday. The NIL point person was announced. Um, her name is Kayla. Man, why am I drawing a blank? Anyway, she's a former athlete, and you know, a lot of people were talking in the chat yesterday saying she was easy on the eyes. I really haven't paid attention to. I hope she just gets the job done in the NIL landscape. That's all That's all that matters to me. That's all that matters to me, bro. She can't even get in and do her job. That's all that matters to me. Wait, what's the, what's the job hire? Oh, I'm about to tell you right now. It's a, it's a, it's a something they made up. No, it's, I mean this is something that everybody has. Notre Dame just never had a point person. Here we go. Notre Dame's on-campus general manager for NIL would be Kayla Miller. She is part of or was part of Altia Sports Partners, and they hired her to lead in the, in Notre Dame's NIL strategy and education. Miller was previously a senior manager at On Location and has extensive basketball coaching and administrative experience. So she is the general manager over the NIL landscape at Notre Dame. So instead of the coaches having to answer questions about it, now they oh, have a person like in the, the White House press secretary. No, it's a little bit deeper than that. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think she, you know. I think when it comes to companies, connecting companies with players and creating uh, situations, that's that's pretty much her job. And every big-time program has a point person to do that. Notre Dame just did. Just like Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback coach. Yeah, I ain't not a quarterback coach. I told you all to excuse me, man. I told you I was sleepy. Maybe that's why 
I need to eat a Snickers today or something. <laughs> yeah, because LeBron was is out of bounds. That's LeBron comment. After everything I said, you're sitting up here complaining about the LeBron comment. Man, get that dude out of here. Look, look. Who you know 20 years in getting 38 points, man? Who you know? Who you know doing that? Like I said, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. You already know we spin it different. LL, man, you guys have a chat on fire. We appreciate all the POVs. Um, those are three biggest questions. Flat out. That, that's that's it for this part of the show. Subscribe to Lucky Lucky Podcast. Hit the notification bell. Smash the like button. Lucky Lucky Podcast. You already know. We spin it different. <laughs>